Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Med Talk presented by HCA Midwest Health. I'm Jamie Monticelli with Jason Martin, EMT, RN, TCN. And we're talking about what to do if the unthinkable happens. Jason, first of all, welcome officially to the program. And first, thank you for being on KMBZ in the past. Uh, I know when tragedy strikes a community, like a mass shooting or a stabbing, we often rely on you to give advice to our listeners. And you've got a pretty unique role with HCA Midwest Health and their trauma program. So let's start there. Tell us about your role and how it's making a positive impact on the community. My role here at HCA is just to help make the community understand that we're a partnership with them and really the best way for our community to have the best outcomes if the unthinkable happens is if we work together in making good decisions um, if that does happen. So that's a really vital need for our community. And if we think of your work like Stop the Bleed and even knowing hands-on bystanders, CPR, anyone can make an impact in their community. Absolutely. And I think we've seen time and time again when the unthinkable does happen, that person next to you it can be the most impactful. And so we want uh, folks to understand the community, what they can do in those first initial couple minutes as 911's on their way to really make a huge difference. And we'll be sure to cover some of that. So I understand that here in Johnson County, we are not faring as well in our community, and we are not well-trained in hands-only CPR. So as you're training people, have you figured out why? And with that, uh, let's make a change and talk about how someone knows what to do if the unthinkable happens. I know I just hit, with you, hit you with a lot, so we'll go through That's some okay. of that. Why are we not faring as well as some areas when it comes to that hands-only CPR? You know, I think overall, um, as a as a nation, we can do better, but certainly here, I think there's still just a lot of apprehension of what do I do? How much training is involved? And then really, is this really going to affect me? Is it going to happen? And so I think that we just want to encourage the community that hopefully you never use any of these things that we are, um, you know, teaching folks. But if it does happen, then, you know, we want you to have the biggest impact on your family member or someone standing next to you. For those that have never heard that term, hands only CPR, describe it to me. So basically, we're, we are constantly changing as far as what is the best thing to do in, in uh, cases of emergency. And one of the things that's changed over the years is we realize that people are very apprehend, apprehensive about mouth to mouth and those kind of things. So we've really, one, we realize that what really someone needs is to continue that blood circulation and that's that hands only CPR. And so they've really tried to bring it down to look, we want, we want you to do two things. Call 911 and put your hands in the middle of someone's chest and pump hard and fast until 911 gets there. Are there places that people can go to learn um, more about that hands-only CPR? What we don't want, I think, is people just going to YouTube for all their information about how to do things, and we certainly don't want them having to do that in that moment. There may not be that time available. 
Where can people go to learn some basics like that? You know, that is a great question. We have to be so careful. There is so much information out on the Internet. I think American Heart probably is the best place to go for the hands-only CPR. And, you know, there is still two distinct trainings. So there's that layperson, hands-only CPR. But if you work in a daycare center or if you work in the healthcare, certainly, then we there's, you know, additional information that they're going to teach. But that f- most important thing for we hope to increase here in Johnson County is that hands-only CPR portion. So hands-only CPR is not what I learned in my babysitter's training class at the age of 13. Um, and I assume that, that maybe that's the perspective that some people have, is that somewhere along the way they learned the CPR that has the hands and the mouth-to-mouth. If that is what you know, is that okay? It is. It certainly is okay, but really we've made it a lot simpler. And I always think it's a great idea to kind of refresh your memory, if you will. So I don't think it's ever wrong to go back and, you know, understand what this hands-only CPR is. But that was one of the changes that they've made since you uh, went through that, is we want to make it simpler. We want to... you know, we want to kind of separate ourselves from that mouth-to-mouth and just that hands-only part is the most important. How do you know if someone needs CPR? If somebody does collapse, you know, how do I tell the difference between a diabetic emergency and, and a heart attack, for example? And so that's when the first step is, you know, calling 911, checking the airway, are they breathing? Uh, if they're not breathing, to go ahead and start chest compression-only CPR. And so really that's the, um, you know, kind of the recommendation that we're giving. Let's talk about the Stop the Bleed program. It's really fascinating. How did it start? And give me some examples of the program in action. So Stop the Bleed is several years old now. It actually started after the Newtown shooting. A bunch of experts got together and said, look, we want to do exactly what they did with CPR in the 2000s. We want people to understand in times of crisis, what can they do to have a huge impact? We've seen whether it was a Las Vegas shooting or whether it's a car crash on the highway, people want to help. Uh, they know that they need to stop the bleeding because obviously that's something they want to do, but how do I do that and how do I do that effectively? So this program basically got the experts together and said, what do we want to share with the community? What's too much? What's not enough? And so they basically gave us a, a canned program, if you will, to take this out to the community. Our first step was working with our law enforcement, our pre-hospital providers, um, and, you know, they're the ones that's going to show up first at these accidents, and then moving that further into the community as far as any places where you have a large gathering of folks, whether it's, um, you know, at a Chiefs game or if it's something like a church, places like that, we want to um, folks to understand what, what, what they need to do in case the unthinkable happens. Why is that such an important thing for people to know? You know, I think some of us have the point of reference of seeing something on TV and and you see, you know, the doctors come up, oh my gosh, we we have that point of reference. But why is that stop the bleeding such an important part of that immediate response? Someone, and this is going to depend on the injury, but if the worst case scenario, someone literally can lose their blood volume in less than three to five minutes. So unfortunately, we just don't live in times where an ambulance can get to us in three to five minutes. So we are, we have to have, we have to help our person next to us. So we're really kind of dependent on that to have the best outcome. And so that's why this information was so important. And essentially what we're training professionals is going to be the exact same thing that the ambulance does when they get there. And really our pre-hospital providers are extensions from our emergency rooms. And so when they get there, if you've already stopped the bleed or at least slowed it down and made a huge impact, then a lot of their job is done as far as really having that true impact if that patient's going to walk out of the hospital days or weeks from now. This is getting pretty, uh, pretty specific, but is there anything that you can't use to stop a bleed? If you're looking around you and you're grabbing whatever you've got, what do you recommend people take and what shouldn't they grab? Really, we just recommend that folks have use something that's bigger than two inches in diameter and width. So typically a belt is what most folks think of. You know, shoestrings aren't going to work. A lanyard's not going to work. 
um, you know, as long as you're two to three inches above the wound and, and you've tightened something on that and you see the bleeding slow down, then you're helping. And I think that's really the, the biggest thing that, um, you know, people need to understand. They may not stop it completely, and we understand that. But if you can cut it in half or cut it by 80%, you're giving this person a huge opportunity to have a good outcome. And finally, we all know how critical the role of EMEA, uh, EMS and MEDAC partners are. Can you share with us some inside tips on how they help hospitals? And I hear you actually refer to them as pre-hospital providers, which is a very official title. <laughs> um, you know, like I said, I really think they're an extension of our emergency departments around Kansas City. They basically are that first line that's going to get there. And essentially, they're a rolling emergency department. Um, we work very closely with them, and they stay up on the latest trends and, you know, what to do in times of emergency. So they have the same drugs, a lot of the same things that we're going to have in the emergency room. So if you look at the first five minutes when a patient gets to a trauma center, or when they get into the back of an ambulance, the care is very similar, if not the same. And so that's really stabilizing that person, stopping the bleed, getting the heart going again, whether it's through hands-only CPR or getting ventilations to the patient. You know, really, we're both doing the exactly same thing. So there's just an extension of our emergency departments here in Kansas City. With that, how important is it, the information that you give to 911 when you call? How important is the information that the EMT has before they get to you? Pre-hospital providers' care starts from a point of dispatch. So the dispatch is asking questions to essentially give to those EMS crew that's getting ready, whether it's just getting their mindset on what type of injury that they're dealing with. And EMS are trained on every possible scenario that you could possibly imagine. So we always ask that they get in that frame, is it a medical emergency? Is it a traumatic emergency? Do I need to grab my tourniquet when I first get out? Is this something where we need to grab our AED defibrillator out because it's a heart attack? And so this is the reason why to try to give as much information with 911 as you can. It can be frustrating. It's very stressful. It's very easy for us to sit here and say, speak in a nice, slow, calm voice, but we just realize that those dispatchers are trained to work with folks in times of crisis and do the best that you can in trying to explain what's going on. And we certainly understand the, the, the picture often changes when uh, the EMS gets there. Is there anything else that you want people to know about how to be best prepared when the unthinkable happens? You know, I think our mindset of, and I know that, you know, when we work with kids a lot, that, that old that saying that we use of it's just not going to happen to me. I think adults can be guilty of that too. And I think we just live in the world today that we need to think about these things. You know, right now, if I'm at a large concert and, you know, my family member has a heart attack or shows signs of a stroke, what should I do or how should I get out of this venue safely? And I think it's just we live in a world today where we have to think about, you know, things like that because we've seen time and time again. If you have a plan, you have a lot better outcomes if the emergency does happen. All right. Thanks a lot to Jason Martin, EMT, RNTCN. This has been Med Talk, presented by HCA Midwest Health. I'm Jamie Monticelli. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.